Amen. All right, if you're with me this morning, we're going to be in Judges chapter 6. That's lodged between Joshua and Ruth. This is a, a pretty famous and familiar story about a man named Gideon. But it's one of those weird things that um, I see this uh, over and over again. I don't know what God's trying to show me, or maybe he's showing you the same thing. But in a lot of these stories, we, we hear these, uh, what I would call a fantastic tale. And it's not really a tale because it's, it, it really happened. Um, but there seems to be not only that, that thread that, of course, God is with us in the midst of trial. But this is our story, church. Um, the, the TV story where everybody's getting along, everybody's got everything going good, the, the hallmark movie of our lives, it, it's fantasy, and, and yet God is with us through the, that in the midst of it. So when you're broken, he's there. When you don't know what to do, he's there. When trouble comes, he's there. When great times comes, he's there. Uh, the, the reality is this is the gospel message is that God is with us and God is for us no matter what. And maybe that rubs up against your theology this morning, and we're going to talk a little bit about that to help us understand that, you know, sometimes we find ourselves in spots we never thought we'd be in. Have you ever been there? <laughs> you ask yourself, how did I get here? What am I doing here? Um, and, and if you've ever been there, then I hope that you glean from this a little bit this morning. But we're going to talk about uh, uh, wheat, in the wheat in the wine press this morning, and it's really about finding our strength and our purpose in this. And and, and I want to tell just a, a real quick story before we jump into this, just so that we can catch up with how this really works. You see, I have a, a beautiful little grand boy named Cohen, and um, I, I call him Squirt, and I call him Wreck-It Ralph, because it, he just wants to grab everything and throw it on the ground and break stuff up and jump on it, and, and he's all boy. But he's so funny because he loves going outside with me. And there's times where we've got the back door open, but we've got the screen so we don't let bugs in, and I don't want him wandering off the deck. And, and he goes to that door and begins to whine, outside, outside. And, and I know what he wants, but I also know that he lacks the strength to get the door open. That's why we put it that way. <laughs> but he's smart enough to know that if he asks... He's got somebody that has the strength to open that door. And so this morning, I hope that in this story, you see that you have someone that has the strength to move you past where you're at. And it's not always easy, but you're not alone in this. And when you feel like you don't have the strength, we have to ask someone who's got the strength to be able to do this. Does that make sense this morning? So here we go. We're going to be in uh, Judges chapter 6. We're going to begin in verse 11. I'm reading from the NLT this morning. It says this, The angel of the Lord came, and it sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the clan of Abiezer. And Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, uh, some scriptures say mighty man of valor, the Lord is with you. Okay? So set the scene. If you don't know what a wine press is, it's usually a hole dug in the ground from, you know, uh, a foot to sometimes four feet deep that they would dump grapes into, and either they would uh, tread them with their feet, or most likely they would have a big spinning heavy rock. We talked about this with olive presses, almost the same thing. And so he's down in almost like a well with a winnowing fork, 
So it almost looks like a thick pitchfork, and he's separating or threshing the wheat, okay? Now, this was not the common practice of how you thresh wheat. Usually, they would gather the wheat. They'd go up to a hillside or someplace because as they throw it up, the chaff gets blown off, and then the heavier grains of wheat fall to the ground because they don't want the chaff, okay? And and you've probably heard this story many, many times. So he's in the wrong place doing the wrong thing. You don't put wheat in the wine press, right? Just like you don't tread out wine in the wheat fields, but here he is. He finds himself in this spot, and he's, and he's hiding. And I love this because it, I think it's funny. He's trying to hide the wheat, he says. But we see that there's something else he's trying to hide also, and it's found deep inside of him. So here he is. He's down in this hole, and all of a sudden, uh, uh, an angel shows up. And, and contrary to what you've seen in popular fiction, this is not some person with huge wings, <laughs> and a radiant glow, it looks just like a guy, some dude shows up and says, hey, how are you, mighty hero? Now, maybe you have a version of angels that you got told or you saw on TV or whatever, but if you ever read the Old Testament, you find that there are angels throughout it, and they look just like men. They look like messengers. They walked into cities. People didn't know who they are, and until they do something radical or extraordinary, they look just like us. But in my version of this story, when the guy says, mighty hero, the Lord is with you, I think there's a little bit of attitude from Gideon. And as you read the rest of this with me, I think you'll understand why. So he's down there slaving away. You think about how high you've got to throw wheat out of a four-foot wine press to get the chaff off, right? It's hot. And so he says, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. And he says, sir, (laughs) if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Don't come in here with your cheerful attitude. Don't come in here and try to spread good news. Don't come in here and tell me how good God is. If God is so good, why am I threshing wheat in a wine press. If God is so good, why do I have to hide from the bandits? If God is so good, what am I doing here? That's a good question for you this morning. Maybe you've asked that question. If God is so good, if God really cares, if God really loves me, what am I doing here? Why am I in this situation? Why do I have this problem? Why is this messing up? Why haven't you fixed this? That's a, that's a good question. Notice what he says. Where's all these miracles that our ancestors told us about? We've been hearing about all this impressive stuff that you've pulled off through the years. Where are the miracles? Where is this delivering God? If God is so good, if, if, if you're from God, where is he? Why hasn't he shown up? Now he gets a little snarky. Didn't they used to say the Lord has brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. You see, he was only seeing the moment of what was going on in his world. He was only seeing the circumstances that were surrounding him. He was only seeing that he was stuck in a wine press. It's probably not what he wanted to do. It's probably not where he wanted to be. But he felt like he didn't have any choice. This is where he ended up. And he still doesn't say that there is no God. Notice that he never says that. But he's really saying, okay, where is he? If he's God and if he's good, where is he? He has abandoned us. 
Now, this is interesting, okay? Because we make this shift where he sends this angel to speak to him. And I want you to understand that, again, angels serve two purposes. They're messengers from God, right? And they're the heavenly host. They fight God's battles. They fight for us. But what's interesting is, and and catch this, I don't know if it's in your version, but remember, the angel comes and talks to him, right? Did you see that in the previous verse? And now, after Gideon expresses his doubt, expresses what the situation is, then it says the Lord turned to him. Does it say that in your Bible? Isn't it amazing that God knew where Gideon was? Did you know that God knows where you are today? And I don't mean your physical location. Obviously, he knows you're in church this morning. But do you know that he knows where you're at in your life, in your cycle, in your season, in your time? He, he hasn't forgotten you. He, he knows it. Isn't that amazing that God showed up, the Lord showed up to talk to him, threshing wheat in the wine press. He wasn't mistaken. He hadn't been abandoned. He, he's speaking to him. And the Lord says, I want you to go in the strength that you have. And I want you to rescue Israel from the Midianites. You say that you've been handed over to the Midianites. I want you to go and rescue Israel out of the Midianites. I am sending you. Verse 15, just like all of us, when God tells us to do something in the midst of our wine presses, <laughs> you know what he says? Those two famous words that most humans use a lot to start our sentences. But Lord. And what follows the but lords of our, of our sentences is never talking about his power, never talking about his mercy, never talking about his faithfulness, never talking about his strength. When we say but Lord, what's coming next is negative. What's coming next is speaking out of our wine press, not speaking out of who we are in Christ. It's, we are speaking out of our wine presses, and that's the problem that, we, uh, that I'm hoping that God will reveal to you this morning. Here's what he said, but Lord, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. Think about this. I am the youngest. I am the least. I have the least resources. I have the least strength. I'm not old enough. I don't have the wisdom. And not only that, my people, my clan, the people around me, we are the smallest portion of the smallest portion. You have found the wrong person. How am I supposed to do this? Now, what I find amazing is that God looked past the slight of him saying, you haven't been there, you haven't showed up, it's your fault that the Midianites are doing this to us. God looks right past that and speaks to him and says, hey, mighty warrior, I got a job for you. Instead of saying, you want to talk about what's going on? Because go back to verse 1 real quick. You want to know why the Midianites are there? You want to know why Gideon's in the wine press? Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. 
They were in the midst of sin. They were in the midst of rejecting God. They had given themselves over to put themselves in a place that the enemy had just as much right to what they had. And so the enemy would come, and you read the rest of the story, and they were numerous and vast, and they would ride through, and they would just destroy stuff. They'd take all their crops. They'd take all their livestock, and they would just move on. And yet here's Israel poor me, where's God at in all of this? And yet they forgot, verse 1, we're doing evil in the sight of the Lord. So a little note to get us over the, the, the harsh hump this morning. If you find yourself in a wine press you don't like, maybe it's because of sin. A lot of the wine presses we find ourselves in, we put ourselves there. We brought the judgment. We brought the circumstances. We created the situation. And if you find yourself in a different one, then great, there's good news for you this morning because however you got in that wine press, God still showed up, right? Maybe maybe Gideon didn't sin himself, but because of the sins of the nation that are supposed to be God's people, God cannot overlook that sin, and yet he's saying, I'm still showing up and talking to you. It's amazing he didn't show up to the biggest clan. It's amazing he didn't show up to the leaders of Israel. It's amazing he didn't show up to the king at that time. You know who he shows up to? The weakest, whiniest, winepress person. That's you and me. Here's what he says. You think you're the least? You think you're the weakest? You think you've got all this problem? I'm going to be with you. And in fact, I'm going to tell you the outcome of how this is going to go in the broadest sense. I'm not going to tell you every detail. I'm just going to tell you I'm going to be with you and you're going to destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting only one. It's as if I'm going to line up one guy and you're just going to have to fight one guy. That's how I'm going to be with you. You're not fighting an entire nation. You're going to fight against them as if you're fighting against one man. You think you're weak? You think you don't have to fight that much. I'm the one fighting with you. I'm the one fighting for you. I stand beside you. I know where you're at in your wine press. And here I am saying, you're going to conquer this thing. And it didn't start with him starting a campaign. It started with him being still afraid and doing things in a step-by-step manner, still questioning God. But that's a whole different story. That's a whole different story. You see, this is the message of us. This is the message of you and me, that in the midst of our mess, God shows up. In the midst of our sin, God shows up. That's the gospel, church. When we couldn't save ourselves, guess who showed up? God did. When we couldn't conquer death, guess who showed up? God did. When we couldn't overcome sin, guess who showed up? God did. You think the Midianites are a problem? How about sin? How about death? How about facing hell? And you know what? He shows up. But he doesn't let us off the hook. He doesn't always fight all of our battles. And that's some of the mistake. We've got those songs and and there are verses that says, prepare yourself and you just present yourself and I'm going to go and fight for you. But there are many times just like this, just like with Joshua, just like with the three Hebrew kids, all of those things where God says, you know what? I'm with you, but you're going to fight this thing out. You need to take action. You've got to climb out of the wine press. You've got to be the one that understands that you're not limited by your situation. You're not limited by your circumstances. You got to get yourself out of the wine press. I will be with you. 
But I'm not going to make you go. I'm just telling you I'm going with you. You want to sit there and thrust wheat in the wine press? The Midians will be coming soon. <laughs> you see, that's the touchy thing with God. He's going to speak into you and over you what he already knows is in you, but then you've got to act on what he says, and you've got to trust that if he is the mighty Lord Almighty, that you're the one that he spoke to, and you've got to climb yourself out of your wine press and decide, I'm going to go because he said to go, and I'm just going to go in the strength that I have. I don't have to have superhuman strength. I mean, think about it. This is the Pee Wee Herman dude. This is not the rock dude. I don't think he looked like some muscular Samson or any of that stuff. He's just a normal guy threshing wheat. He's the smallest one, the youngest one in his tribe. But God does that a lot. He chose David, the youngest, the smallest. Because what he's really looking for is not strength or intelligence or spirituality. He's looking for somebody that would dare to believe that God said, go, so I'm going to go. I'm looking for somebody that I said, I'll be with you, and I told you this incredible dream that could happen, and you would just dare to hope that I would go and that it would be accomplished. You just got to have enough faith to climb out of your wine press. You just got to have enough faith to step up and to go out and to maybe just start it step by step. You don't go pick a fight with Midian. You don't go charging in all by yourself. Notice that, that Gideon didn't do that. He didn't just grab his winnowing fork and run out and start bashing on the Midianites. Instead, he started something very different. And maybe it's a clue for you as well to read the rest of that story to see. You know, it's hard work threshing. But it's so much harder hiding. And many of you are hiding, not just sin, but hiding from the life that God has called you to. And it's leaving you broken, and it's leaving you empty, and it's leaving you bored, and it's leaving you doubtful, and it's leaving you hopeless, because you're like, if God is for me, and he's like, I am with you. I have always been with you. I have told you a time and again that I will fight with you through the fire and the water. I will be there, that I'll use the good and the bad, everything in your life, that I'll turn it around and use it for good in your life. He says this to us over and over and over, and yet we find ourselves like Gideon, whining, but Lord, but Lord, but Lord, but Lord, you don't understand. I didn't have enough education. You don't understand. My kids weren't great. You don't understand. My wife ran off. You don't understand. I don't have enough money. You don't understand. I can't get a job. You don't understand. You don't understand. You don't understand. And I think God is just too nice to say, would you just shut up and listen? Who showed up right here where you're working? I did. Who's the one that called you a mighty hero, a mighty warrior? I did. Who's the one that said that by your hand, You're going to free your people. If you really are complaining about the Midianites, then let's really do something about it. I'll be with you. Let's go. But Lord, but Lord. And sometimes it's not but Lord. Sometimes it's, I'll get around to it. Sometimes it's, I can do that tomorrow. Or sometimes it's, yeah, I need to pray about that. 
and some we, we use all the, but it's the same, same pattern. You might not say the physical words, but Lord, but what you're really doing is causing a delay. You're giving in a reason, you're giving an excuse, you're trying to opt out to be, having to step up and be who God has called you to be. And he's called you a mighty warrior, he's called you a hero. And it's amazing to me that such a, a relevant message for today when we have hero movies all over the place and yet many people feel like they're a failure and feel like they're nothing and we have to go to a movie and watch something fantasy when we've got a God that says that we are mighty men and women of God. That he has placed his Holy Spirit in us and empowered us to be the people we're called to be. And it's not just fathers this morning. It's for every person that has been called by God and that means you. The question is, what are you waiting for? I don't want another time to whine in the wine press. We didn't call you to a wine press. Think about this. I'm going with you, and I have sent you. If you're sitting here this morning and you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a sent person. He has sent us into this world with a mission, with a purpose, for a price, that we should take the gospel to the nations. That's what we're here for, starting at your house and rotating outwards in ever-expanding circles until he comes back. And that doesn't mean you have to travel. It just means you start right where you're at. And it doesn't matter if you have to have education or not. You just start with the strength that you have. But that's tough. You see, that doesn't give us any wiggle room, does it? But I'm busy. (laughs) But I don't know enough of the Bible. And it's no different. Again, all we're doing is, but Lord, but Lord, but Lord. And he's like, let's cut through all that. I'm going with you. I'm sending you. Pastor, I didn't have a dad growing up. I don't know how to start being a dad in the strength that you have. Start being the woman of God in the strength that you have. Start being the person that God's called you to be just in the strength that you have. You don't have to have a miracle. He's not called you to be perfect. Isn't that amazing? He didn't say, hey, go perfect yourself when you get perfect. Come and let me know and we'll start a battle. You know what he said? I'm going with you. You just go in the strength that you have. But I don't have any strength. I'm, I'm the weakest of the weak. Great, just go in that strength. <laughs> Notice that he never let him off the hook. Just go. Because you're not the strength. That's why I told you that story about my precious little squirt. He doesn't need the strength. He's got the strength. We've got the strength, church, to move forward. We've got the strength to fight the battles. We've got the strength to be victorious. We've got the strength to be healed. We've got the strength to win our neighbors. We've got the strength to see what God sees in us that we can't see in ourselves. We've got the strength, not in us, but in Him. That's where our strength comes from. And the scriptures speak about that all the time. From where does my strength come from? I lift up my eyes, right? I get it off my problem. I get it off of me. I'm not the strength. I lift up my eyes to the hills, to the one who made them, to the one that created mountains, to the one who fabricated the heavens, to the one that shows up in my wine press and says, Hey, mighty man of valor. Hey, mighty hero. And I'll tell you this, being a hero is not saving somebody from a car wreck. And yes, it is. But you know what's really being a hero? Living every day on purpose for Jesus. I think any person that's a good person, you can find some courage when a life is at stake. But what about the day in, day out, Monday through Friday, no special circumstances, just being the person of God he's called you to be. 
That's when it gets tough. The average everyday ham sandwich day when he says, you're the mighty warrior. You're the one I want to shine. You're the one I want to send out. You're the one that I want to do some things. See, Romans 4.17 tells us this, God speaking of the faith of Abraham. And he says, God's the one that speaks the things that are not as though they were. He speaks to Abraham and calls him the father of many nations when here's a man that has no children. What would he speak to you today? Because he sees in you what you can't see in yourself. He speaks into you what you would never speak into yourself. What would he say over you this morning? What would he expect from you today? Wine in your wine press? Hide out from the enemy? Or to go forth in the strength that you have? And I know you feel like I don't have a bunch of that. He doesn't need a bunch of that. He's our strength. And I know that's simple this morning, but that's how hard it is. You see, I think we make the gospel at times too complex to give ourselves wiggle room. And yet God says very clear, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Just go. Just go. Start. Just start the process and I'll be with you. Or sit there in your wine press and whine about your circumstances, whine about your limitations, whine about how hard it is, whine about things being taken from you, whine about the years going by, whine and whine and whine, or rise up and go in the power and the strength that you have. Because he doesn't need talented people. Gideon had some good questions, but the questions weren't the real problem. God didn't criticize him where he was. I think that's pretty awesome. You know, I think sometimes we think of God as this harsh judge that comes down and says, well, no wonder you're in the wine press. You're sinning all over the place. What did you expect, you big weakling? That's not our God. He didn't rub the sin in his face, and he knew exactly where he was. Instead, he came and spoke into him what God wanted him to see. Mighty warrior, hero, valiant, completely opposite. That's why the Romans 4.17 kicks in. He sees in us what we don't see in ourselves. We see our limitations. We put our focus on our barriers and our boundaries. And God says, there's so much more in you than that. There's so much more I can do with you than that. All you have to do is take a chance, get out of your wine press. And if you read the rest of that story, and I encourage you to do that, you should read your Bible. It should inspire us. It's not a a checklist. Oh, yep, did that. You'll realize that men and women that are just normal in, in horrible situations get called by God to do things that become extraordinary. And their names find it into this book. They're the ones that are whispered in the halls of faith. Do you remember when Gideon climbed out of the wine press? And I think there's people that we look around and see as successful in our lives right now. 
that at one time were in a wine press that faced some circumstances maybe similar to yours, faced some limitations maybe similar to yours, but they made a decision to not sit there and let that stop them. They didn't just keep saying, but Lord, you know what they did? They decided it doesn't matter my limitation. It doesn't matter what my past has been. It doesn't matter my pain. It doesn't matter the people holding me back. It doesn't really matter because I'm a sent person of God. I'm going to go. And let's see what happens. I'll tell you what. I'd rather go and see what happens and, and fail trying than to spend my days whining in the wine press. The worst thing we can do is start making our wine press home. It's not where we're supposed to live. And it's not what it was created for. You were not created for that stuff. You were not destined for that stuff. You were for something bigger. It's amazing that God knew where he was, that he spoke into him what he couldn't see, and he didn't bring up the fact that you want to know why you're in this situation? Because it was irrelevant at the moment. So for those of you that you're taking on the identity of a whining winepress person, it's irrelevant what's happened to you at this moment. The question is, what will you do now? What will you do now? He used a murderer with stammering lips named Moses. He used a, a Pharisee that was murdering people to develop the church. He used a wayward woman named Ruth. He used a harlot named Rahab and inserted her into the lineage of Jesus Christ. He used a broken man named Mephibosheth. (laughs) He used a young boy named David. He used an ill-prepared leader named Deborah to win mighty battles. And he gathered 12 wacko, normal people like you and me and invested in them and poured into them. He said, You want to go for a wild ride? Follow me. Let's go. Never never cajoled them. Didn't tell them where they were going. He just said, come on. Let's go. And he sure beat the wine press. Sure beat the wine press. As we wrap this up this morning, I want to charge you that doesn't mean I'm going to run off this thing and run at you. That's not that kind of charge. But more of a commission. More of a call to arms that number one, you're not in this alone. But to go in the strength that you have. So here we go. What do we do with all this, Pastor? And you stop hiding from the pain, the people, the past, the situations, or the limitations in your life. It's doing no good hiding. It's only keeping you where you are. You're stuck. Stop hiding. Stop hiding from those things. Yes, you've got a past. Almost all of us have a past. (laughs) And it's amazing how our past can be useful for our future in the hands of God. 
Think about this. I'm somebody that in the first part of my life didn't know about God, didn't care about God, wasn't concerned, found myself wrapped up in violence and alcohol and all kinds of mess. And yet today when we're singing worship, and maybe you can't get this, but just bear with me. We're talking about the name above all names. And when I would go to bars, I wasn't a beer drinker. If I had the extra money, I'd get what they used to call the top shelf stuff because it would vary in price the higher on the shelf that it goes. <laughs> That's why beer is on the tap, right? <laughs> it's not even on the shelf. But he is the name above all names. He is at the top of the top shelf of the most expensive, the most exquisite, the most incredible that you could ever think of. He is the name above all, above your pain, as we heard this morning, above all of that. But you've got to put that name up there. And that also means you've got to take your name out of that spot and put his name in that spot. Don't hide from those things. God sees and speaks into you what you can't see in yourself. You may only see your limitations. You only may see where you've been and what you've done, but God sees where you're going to go and what you can do. And that's the problem is we, we very rarely go outside of our little boundaries, outside of our little barriers, because there, there might be a trial. There might be a risk. There might be some pain. There might be some experience. There might be something. And yes, what if it's extraordinary what's going to happen to you? That's the problem is the enemy calls to us and tells us it's too dangerous. You, you can't go there. But what if it's the most incredible thing you've ever done? But we're afraid to try. You allow him to speak into you. Let me be the messenger from God this morning that tells you he sees something more in you than what you see in yourself. You see yourself as a mom, a dad, a houseworker, this or that. You define yourself by how much you make or what you do for a living. God doesn't see that at all. He didn't say, I see in you a really good weight thresher. He didn't say that. Completely blew him away. Now, read the story before this. Where does Gideon get his military training? Zero. He didn't need it. He had God. We've got to stop worrying and focusing on the limitations of the situation. Those are just excuses. Okay? I know this is in your face this morning, but I want to see your life be something extraordinary. I don't want to see you waste your time threshing in the wine press. You've got more in you than that. I don't want to see you eke it out at some job. Yes, don't quit your job. Just, just stay there, but understand that you're more than your job. You're more than your lack of a job. You're more than anything that in this world that you can see. You've got a supernatural destiny waiting for you because Jesus Christ has called you and sent you. You're not just you. It's like Gideon wasn't just Gideon. But here's the hard part. 
You've got to get out of your wine press. And I don't know what your wine press is. For some of us, it's work. It's where you hide. For some of us, it's the web. It's where you hide. For some of us, it's a hobby. It's where we hide. For some of us, it's our family. It's where we hide. For some of us, I, I don't know what your wine press is, but you've got to stop hiding. And I didn't say abandon those things. I'm not telling you to quit work or quit your family, but you can't hide there. They're not the ones that define you. God is the one that defines you. He is the one that's created you. He is the one that's purposed you. You are called by him and sent. I will be with you. That's what he's saying. Quit hiding in the wine press. It was made for a function, but you're not using it as that function anymore. You've changed it. I never meant for you to put wheat in a wine press. I never meant for your family to be your all in all. I never meant for your job to be your all in all. I never meant for money to be your God. I meant for me to be your God and for you to follow me through wherever life would lead you. But you've got to get out of that wine press. You're chasing something that's never going to deliver. And for the reality, as you read the rest of that story, you need to be a deliverer. You need to be that sent person of God. You need to be that warrior. You need to be somebody that speaks to other Gideons. It's the height of lunacy that we would affirm other people, A, to stay where they're at, or to tell them, hey, there's so much more in you, and yet we sit in our wine presses. Don't expect them to do what you wouldn't do. It's time to get out of our wine presses. And like I said, Gideon didn't all of a sudden become fearless. You read this story. He goes at night and he pulls down an altar. And nobody even knows who does it. Because he couldn't do it in the daylight because he was afraid. And then he had to ask for signs and signs and wonders. And, and guess what? And God was patient and God says, we can do that. You need a little nudge? I'll give you a little nudge. And we come to the amazing story that in the face of overwhelming odds, he steps up with 300 people without even weapons. They're holding torches and clay pots and trumpets and defeats an army. That's not good military training. That doesn't make sense. That's how you get dead fast unless it's what God tells you to do. And so stop trying to make sense of it. You need to be the person that God has spoken over and spoken into. And really, the only way you're going to know that is you've got to pray and you've got to read this word. But I'm telling you right now, as God is God, and I'm standing here, he sees something unusual and supernatural in you that he's just waiting to unlock in you. But it's going to take you to decide to get out of your wine press. And when you get out, it's not going to get less scary. But guess what? That's not going to feel like home anymore. Maybe that wine press is fear or the security of knowing what's going to happen. But you've got to get out of the wine press and let God guide you and lead you. And last but not least, you need to speak to those other Gideons. Remind them of who they are in God. Remind them that they are sent people. Remind them that they are mighty in God people. We are not just ordinary people sitting around trying to shuffle through life until we die. We've got a mission. We've got a purpose that he has called us to. We are more than that. And we're better than that. So I'm going to ask if you if you got a bulletin this morning. There's a little card in there. I hope that, you, hope that you'll take that home. But these are some kind of some self-talk, some, maybe some proclamations. Put this on the, 
on your dash or maybe you put it on the, the mirror as you're getting ready in the morning. And this can be your homework for the rest of your life because we keep falling back into different wine presses. And, and here's that first one. I won't hide in my wine press. When you're getting ready for work tomorrow, I won't hide in my wine press. I won't allow my past, my pain, my people, my situations to stop me. Those things don't matter. I, I'm not going to do that. Those may be my wine press. I'm not going to hide there. I'm not going to complain to God about what's happened in my life. Because church, listen to me. He already knows. Right? We think like, hey, I got to remind you. You remember how I was raised? You remember? He was already there. And even if you remind him, is it going to change your tomorrow? Nope. So let's stop complaining. Let's stop saying, but Lord, but Lord. And declare that you are known by God. Remember where he showed up at? In the midst of his pain, in the midst of his winepress, in the midst of his sin, God himself still showed up. I am known, I am mighty, and I am sent by God. And that's you this morning. You are known, you are mighty, and you are sent by God. The popular movie series out, as I was speaking of, called The Avengers. And they face all these different foes and some from different universes and different strengths and different powers and all this stuff. And a reoccurring theme starts to happen early in that series where someone would come to fight them and they kind of like begin to monologue and say, don't you understand you're against this overwhelming force and I've got this and I've got this and I've got this. And various characters for the good guys say something like this but we have a Hulk. And then the next one comes along, and we've got this, and you don't understand. We're going to crush you, but we have a Hulk. Church, this morning, we have a God that is so much bigger and so much stronger and so much better than any TV fantasy Hulk. You want to see somebody that can smash mountains down? God. You want to see somebody that can lift up kingdoms? God. You want to see somebody that can bring somebody back from the dead? God. He has no limitations. He has no ability to fail. He is God. We have a God. We don't need a Hulk. We have a God. And not a made-up one, not an image that we carry around. His image is in us. What's your wine press this morning that you've got to make up your mind to get out of? Because it's just getting deeper and deeper.